doesn't start immediately like it used to. Here we go. All right, welcome back to Real Take Selling Podcast. This is Nick. This is uh, bonus episode number five. And uh, this week it is my turn to do the uh, bonus episode. And uh, I thought that it's actually pretty good timing. Um, I was just like you, I think, last weekend were saying how it's difficult to come up with topics. Um, I actually was glad I went to Ryan's house yesterday because I got the idea from uh, him yesterday. Nice. So the topic is the NHL Awards and how useless, how maybe off they are, how little they mean, I guess, to a (laughs) fan like me who I think watches – I I watch a lot of teams. Like I said, I bought NHL TV – uh, this year, and I started to watch more teams than just the Sabers. You know, it, it was and it was fun to watch. I watched a lot of Leafs games, a lot of Jets games, um, the Colorado games. I, I tried to watch as many people as I could, and, and as many teams as I could. Um, and just looking at some of these awards, I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's just more of the same. I mean, for example, Hart Trophy. It's Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon. I mean, I get McKinnon or I get McDavid is very, you know, unbelievable in his talents there. But is he really the most valuable player on the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, you know, when I think of most valuable player, it's if you took him out of the equation, he wasn't on that team. How would the team be? And I brought this up with Ryan a couple of weeks ago. I said an MVP caliber player would be somebody like Eichel if he produced more um, with the Sabres. He's trying his best out there. But if, if he were to score like more than a point per game with the Sabres and, you know, not be considered at least a finalist for the Hart Trophy. And you're just going to put McDivitt, you're just going to put McDavid or McKinnon up there. You're going to put a hot player like Kucherov, you know. To me, it's like they're not most valuable to their team. I mean, yes, they're they're a very talented player, but it's just like. If Eichel wasn't the Sabres. He wasn't on the Sabers. Who would he, who would their most valuable player be? I mean, it's got to be um, Eichel in that situation. And yeah. Best defenseman. It's Hedman, Fox, and McCarthy. And <laughs> this has to be one of the worst awards I think given because this they they shouldn't they shouldn't call it the best defenseman. They should call it offensive defenseman award. Yep. 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 Um, because none, I would I would tell you that really none you of know, these players are. And beyond that, yeah, and beyond that, dude, you could just call it your PP1 defenseman, really. Yeah, exactly. Just, just like, pull the, the three, you know, the 31 uh, first uh, power play defenseman for every team and just rank those guys. I agree. I, the defenseman one, I'm a huge uh, – the way that Nick likes American-born players, I like defensemen. I played defense growing up. Uh, my first season, I was a forward, and then after that, I became defense from that point on. And I was a—I had to be a shutdown defenseman. I, my partner—I don't know if you remember—my partner was Jerry. I forgot his last name, but he was—he was like a three hundred and twenty pound, maybe two eighty, uh, like five eleven, six foot kid. That played defense, and he took shooting lessons from yeah, some NHL shooter. Yeah, and that's all we, all my team did was they would feed him, 
he'd fire shots off and they'd come if they missed they come flying down to our side and i had the speed to get back and cover for jerry because he doesn't get off the line very fast and um so when i see defensemen play that style it 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 tickles me i love defensemen that don't put up the numbers that you want to see like as a statistician as a uh, analytic guy in the office per se um i mean i'm going right to jacob slavin man i mean he's he is so clinical that i'm never uncomfortable watching odd man rushes that he's involved with two on ones three on ones i'll take it all day of the week as long as slavin is the defenseman right um it's the way you win championships it may not be the way you you make your regular season one but it's definitely the way you win championships is through that defense and um and to the point to the to what the bonus episode is about is yeah some of these player awards i think are are a little bit worthless um the the norris yeah i I definitely don't like that one it's pretty biased um and i'll I'll go into one more selkie is to kind of help you a little bit um okay the the vesna trophy best goaltender is the top three most wins that's it you know it, it it's it's just the goaltenders with the most wins and i'll, I'll read it off for you. it's not a philip grubauer had 30 and mark andre Fleury had 26. um i i just found a really good stat it was save percentage uh, let me just get it up so very similar numbers simeon varlamov of the new york islanders and and mark andre Fleury. mark andre Fleury gets 36 starts he wins 26 games, gets 10 losses. He uh, he saves or he faces uh, 989 shots and saves 90, 918 of them for 71 goals against, with a save percentage of 928. Semyon Varlamov, 36 starts. Um, he got 19 wins and he lost 11 games, uh, but he faced 1,020 shots. 914 of them were saved, so 72 went in, and a 928 save percentage. So obviously you're you're giving up, you know, uh, was it seven? Yeah, you're giving up seven wins between the two of them. But they have outside of their wins, they have identical numbers with Varlamov facing more shots and only giving up one more goal. Uh, and you know, Peter Mrazek too, uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Um, not Andre Vasilevsky, Alec Nedeljkovic. Marazic, up for the the Marazic barely played this year, though. No, he didn't. But you know, in the games he played, he was stellar. Uh, the Vesna, the Conn Smythe. Um, so here's the thing, man. It's like if you have comparable stats as a goaltender, and you have less wins or less games played, I think you have to default to those guys who have the higher wins because. If everything else is pretty level playing field, then what's the only determining factor? It's your win count. Um, I guess like Jack Campbell is something like like Jack Campbell. You want that discussion open for the Vesna? Yeah. Because because the thing with Jack Campbell is is he didn't he didn't play the full season. You know, right. he didn't carry that team basically from start to finish. So the Vesna. The Conn Smythe, 
those two I think are pretty good. The Jack Adams I it's voted on by the um the uh casters. It's it's voted on by like Trip and um Forsland and Mike Maniscalco, those guys. Right. Um so so that one that one I would like to say is is pretty nice, but I thought Rod Brendamore was kind of stripped of it a couple of years ago. So um I yeah, that was the year that Matt Sullivan won it, didn't he? And Brendamore like brought that up. 2019. Jack Adams. There it is. I think it was Sullivan that year. Uh, let's see. No, I think it was Trotz. It was Barry Trotz, 2019, right? Okay. But was Sullivan a, a nominee then, 2019? Um, they don't give me like the finalists for each year. They only give me the uh, winner, but I'll quickly look up. You said 2019, Jack Adams. I think it was, I think Sullivan was a contestant. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, a PR day. Um, similar yeah. to like the, like how the, uh, what is it? like media day for the NFL as well as the pro bowl. You know, I feel like there's a lot of like, don't they play dodgeball and stuff? Um, the NHL awards is, is very much like that. I mean, the, the Vesna, let's be honest, the Vesna and the Conn Smythe are the only ones anybody ever remembers. Yeah, Maybe no. some Morris winners, you know, remember when it was drew Dowdy, Dowdy was always one of the nominees. Right, right. Um, you're right. The, 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 the nominee pool does get a little saturated um, and it is a little bias at times. For instance, the Selkie Forsland has pitched or trip has pitched a lot of times for, for Slavin to be a Selkie nominee and Forsland always reminds him that that award is basically catered for, for forwards ma- mainly. So, right. Right. I was going to say because that's best defensive forward, so Slavin wouldn't even be up to. Oh, was get... it? Well, there's, there's. Okay, I, I'm misspeaking. Then there's one award that maybe it's actually it might be the it's Lady Bing that he's up for right now. I don't think it's the Norris oh. because we all know why Slavin's not the Norris. <laughs> uh, he doesn't put up the offense. You know, he he's a defenseman that doesn't show up yeah. in the highlight reel. Even though he should, because he makes a lot of defensive plays. And like, so yeah. Here's the thing with the Hart Trophy, because the Hart Trophy is the most valuable player to your team. Um, McDavid, he's voted scores. for by the players. No, I think that's voted on by the uh, um, the press. It's voted oh. on by the writers. Oh, that wait. Yeah, this award <laughs> given to is given annually to the NHL player voted to be most valued to his team by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. There you go. Uh, so the, that one I don't really care for. Any, any of them That's that what, are yeah. like the journalists that are, that are voting is tough. The ones where the players vote, I do like those. Yeah, so the, uh, ones you, the one you want to look for is the Ted Lindsay Award, which is most outstanding player, which is basically the MVP just voted on by the players. Right. Uh, and Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, and Connor McDavid are finalists for that. I don't even know if you could say that Austin Matthews, in which is this is going to be a, a wild take by many people who listen because I'm a big American guy, but I don't even think he really deserves most valuable. Um, I thought, if anything, 
the most valuable player to the Leafs this season was Jack Campbell. Um, I know he didn't get a lot of starts in, in this uh, season, and you know he, he wasn't really the starter um, from the get-go, but the dude won 11 games in a row for them and just played outstanding right. hockey. Um, and yeah. again, he didn't play a full season, I get it, but Austin Matthews, all he did was just get the most goals in the league. Yeah. Um, it's not like... Yeah. You know what? It's it's probably just like the Oscars, you know? Any institution that's giving out its own awards is going to have some level of bias, some level of worthlessness to the, you know, the lot of us. And I do. I do agree. I, I never, ever watch it. Um, the the Vesna, honestly, the Vesna and the, and the Khan Smythe are the only ones that I'm ever... I ever am like, uh, oh, I got to look that one up. Who, who, yeah. yeah, exactly. Who won it this year? Who won it that year? That kind of thing. But for the most part, yeah, a, a lot of them. I mean, just award shows in general for me. I'm not too, I, I don't care. I know I know who I think is the Selkie winner. I know who I think could be the Vesna. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It, but you know what? It also has some, you know, there's some level of value to this for the players. The players receive bonus checks for these awards. Yep. So um, yeah. I don't want to take it out. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it definitely has a purpose. But to me, it's just kind of like, it's almost like uh, the most popular award to me, like superlatives in high school. Yeah. Yep. They're just kind of the most popular kids. It's like, who has the best smile? And you're just like, that person's smile isn't really that great. They're just... They're just friends. Everybody knows them. Yearbook right. <laughs> you got to get in with the people on the yearbook club. Um, I, I tend to look at the Calder each year, and I'll, I'll bring it up here. That's okay. Um, is the Calder is the rookie of the year, and a lot of people want uh, the NHL to change uh, the ruling or the, uh, I guess, protocols or guidelines, rather, for the Calder, because Kirill Kaprizov, quick check, I think he's like 24 or something like that. Uh, he's an older player, and a lot of people are very critical of the fact that he's up for the Calder Trophy, even though he's got uh, a couple years on. Yeah, so he's 24. And then Alex Nedeljkovic he's is probably around the same age as well. I think he's 23 again, or 24. He's about to be 24. Oh, he's 25. But again, I, I don't necessarily oh, wow. look at that as goaltenders because a lot of goaltenders get developed at around this time. They come into the league when they're about right. 23, 23 to 25. Yeah. yeah. So that one, it's like, I'm totally fine with it with age. <clears throat> and then Jason Robertson, who's the last player to get nominated for that. Um, due to this, uh, to this league, he's 21 years old. So specifically um, with the Calder trophy, a lot of people want to make sure that the league makes sure that they're actual like, rookies in a sense where they're they get drafted and they get into the league and then they play their first games there rather than someone who's maybe played in a previous league like Kirill for example who's played in the KHL and then finally came into the league now when he's 24 years old and has mm -hmm. maybe a size advantage maybe a strength advantage endurance advantage stamina advantage all that compared to the players who are younger than him um, and, and my I guess I'll, I'll do a take and then you can do a take I personally don't really mind that at all i mean technically they wouldn't necessarily be rookies in the sense that they're older but it is their first year in the league no matter how old they were um 
So to me, that that guideline has never really bothered me with the Calder Trophy, um, because if they made that uh, uh, a guideline or a new rule, then you would never see a goalie for Rookie of the Year because, like I said, goalies don't develop when they're 18 years old and they get drafted. And it's like, go in net, buddy, and make sure you, you have a Rookie of the Year-like year or Rookie of the right. Year season. Exactly, yeah. They're, you find out about goalies when they're like, 20 like in their early to mid 20s right i did you have anything left to take or you can go ahead if you want i think it's fine i think it's fine the way it is but the nhl is one of the most sought after leagues in the world and there are multiple avenues that you can take to get to it it is the best league in the world and if you can get there at any point you are a rookie when you enter And to take that away from guys, I mean, you're really pigeonholing players into a route, an avenue, you know? You're basically telling guys that if they if they want to start their career off, um, not on the right foot, but it, it and this is the elite guys, you know, you, you're going to be talking, you're going to be having this conversation with the elite rookies coming into the league, but you're going to really pigeonhole players into having to, go that draft route get drafted and um you know make the cut for the for your entry season and then you need to perform and you're really young and you got to figure it all out and and um i think it's a little unfair this isn't the mlb and even the mlb is starting to become pretty diverse this is a this is a league that pulls its talent from of of, from the world all over um it's not it, like it's, the NFL where they're just recruiting all Americans. NFL is a good is a good example. It, it is. It's the NFL is is like that. You basically have to go through the college system, get drafted, and then make the cut, um, or walk on. And and if you walk on, you're probably not going to be a rookie of the year in the NFL. So, I think it's fine. I, I wouldn't want to change it. Um, yeah. If you're a guy and you can come into the league when you're 29. Heck, heck! Give David Ayers a Calder nomination for last year or for two years ago, because because that was his rookie debut. You know, he was forty something. Yeah, so I think he was forty two. Forty two. So in my eyes, however you can make your way into the league, it's your rookie season that that year that you begin. Yeah, you know? and specifically with this season, you know, if if you allowed the rule to not be, you know, there was a certain cutoff. So let's say the cutoff was 21 years old. If you're only, if you're less than or equal to uh, 20, 21 years old, and you are a, a candidate for the Calder, I don't know who else would be in this discussion with rookies of the year. It was kind of a exactly. Story, I think for rookies, I mean, the only other one I could think of was Jordan Cairo off the top of my head, who was um. Was he on Minnesota? There's someone in Minnesota that you were mentioning. Was he for real? Was he young enough for that? No, he is 24 years old. Okay, so that's where the that's where the criticism is coming from. Where a lot of I was just seeing a lot of videos on YouTube, and just a lot of people in general saying like Kirill shouldn't be allowed to be in the Calder because he's 24 years old. Some of the rookies are, you know. 18 to 21 years old, so he has an advantage over them, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, but the only other rookie I could even think of, and he's 23 years old, so he wouldn't even fit the cut. But if I had to pick, it would be him. He played uh, 55 games this season, 14 goals, 21 assists for 35 points. But again, it, it was just a slow year for rookies because with COVID and everything, yeah, you couldn't really find a lot of players in the draft. And that's why a lot of these guys are 21, 23, and 24 years old because the other thing, dude, is if you limit the pool that you can select from, think about how trash the, the you know the Calder could become. Exactly. Because this is a difficult league, and it's a difficult league for young guys to hang in, you know. And and so I think leaving the age fluid on your rookie season is is okay. I mean, I mean, hey, if you want to put a cap like you know twenty eight, you got to make it by by the age of twenty eight, or you got to make it in before you're thirty. Okay, that's that's okay. You know that that gives that's, a decade. That's a decade span of people that you can look at for rookie of the year. But but anything that's like twenty one or below, I just think that's I think that's a disservice to a lot of things. I think it's a disservice to the award itself. I think it's yeah. a disservice to the fans long term because I don't think it's going to be a very exciting one to watch anymore. And it's also a disservice um, to future players for my points earlier you know yeah and i'm trying to figure out with jack hughes when he was drafted the top two picks that year were him and uh him and uh oh man what's his name it's the kk guy capo caco that's who it is capo caco they had you know very rough rookie seasons and if you allowed the uh the stat to necessarily be a, a you know a blow of age twenty two or twenty one or whatever, you know in his rookie season he had sixty one games played and had twenty one points, and then yeah for Capo Caco real quick. Oops. It's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like. Wow, New York is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's a, I'm it's so nice. excited. <laughs> In his rookie season, he had 66 <sighs> games played with 23 points. So, you know, if you wanted to pick a, a rookie this, of the year that year, it would have been pretty tough because those guys didn't have great rookie seasons. And yeah. off the top of my head, I don't really know anybody last year that stuck out as a rookie. Um, I'll try and find who wrote rookie of the year last year. But you're right. It's going to trim the. Um, contestants so to say for that award and and yeah. again if it's not even going to be Kaprizov or if it's not going to be Nadelkovich then who would it be you know Robertson yeah my initial reaction to that fan outcry is people might just be might be just thinking a little too too traditionalist right there um or they might be thinking with that MLB well the old MLB slash NFL mentality where um I mean, in the end of the NFL, there's like countless number of guys fresh out of college coming in, and you don't you don't get that in the NHL. You know, the NHL draft is like it's basically at least that first year after the draft, it's only like the top five, top ten that you expect to really um, be seen the following season. You know, a lot of the people that teams draft finish out their college days before they even before they yeah. even come to the team. You know. Yeah. That was going to be my point is a lot of the times that they draft somebody out of college, 
they're not even going to see the league until they graduate. And a lot right. of times they're drafted in their junior year or their senior year. But still, it's like they're going to have to finish their their college uh, stint and then they go into the NHL. Right. And with the with the draft, I mean, it's not like you're just looking in one sort of uh, one sort of atmosphere, like you say with the NFL, where it's just channel college, or or even right. sometimes in the really rare conditions of the high school, you don't have a lot of a lot of talent pool there, and, and it's why some sometimes in, when you pick somebody in uh, in football and their career doesn't pan out, it's like well, you can't really blame it because you didn't have a lot to choose from. With the NHL, it's you can go college in in the U.S. You can go the OHL. In Canada, CHL, KHL, KHL, you have Swiss leagues, you have at um, Olympics, U16, U18s. Yeah, you got so much to choose from. And to to just say, well, Junior Bs, Junior Bs, uh, there's a a Quebec Major Junior League, you know. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a that's what I that's what I was trying to convey is that the the geographical um, breadth that the NHL absorbs, I think it's just way too big to, to target it down for some random reason. Or not random reason, but some random, not random, but some associated factor that is outside of your control. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. With that being said, I, I think we'll, we could wrap it up there. Um, I'll wrap it up saying that the Vesna, the, what was the other? Oh, the Calder oh, and the Conn Smythe. I think yeah. those three are good indicators, especially the Conn Smythe, because it's a playoff-related trophy. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it is a lot of PR, and I'm I don't have a whole lot of a, a drive to pay attention and track that. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Um, but. With that being said, that wraps up this bonus uh, episode this week. We're glad you listened to it. And, you know, as always, peace out and stay safe.